Off the Ball, with thanks to Ford. This season, making stunning saves with the Ford 2016 Real Deal event at participating Ford dealers. Ford, go further. All right, a very good evening to you. Welcome along to Friday Night's Off the Ball. We've got a very busy show for you between now and 9 o'clock. Between 8 and 9, uh, we're going to be bringing you some of our best of... Uh, where normally there'd be a crappy quiz and there might not be a crappy quiz tonight. <laughs> I'll give you details of that in an hour's time. And we'll also have Thursday Night Racing on a Friday because uh, last night's show we had Evander Holyfield on and that chat went a little bit longer than we had anticipated so we've uh, held that back. If you want to get in touch you can text us here on 53106. You can tweet the show at Off The Ball. Brian just goes with us. Very good evening to you. Good evening. I like the way you've dressed up for us this evening, Brian. <laughs> I try and make an effort yeah. knowing Nathan was in. Thanks, <laughs> thanks Brian. I didn't, I didn't uh, repay the favour. Ah, you're looking okay. Thanks, thanks yourself. Brian. Thanks. Yeah. Luckily, we're not on TV, so no one knows. Cords are back. Um, <laughs> These aren't cords. <laughs> These aren't cords. Bloody. Just very, very thin lines. Yeah, these are beautiful pants. <laughs> nice one. Keen, how are you? I'm good, Jer. Um, so, look, we're obviously going to talk a good bit about John Alone in a couple of minutes' time. Um, Alama Iremia was a former teammate of his, so maybe we won't get too much into your own experience of playing against him, but it was a, an awful shock this, yeah, this week. Yeah, an awful shock. Um, I woke in the middle of the night and just had a look at my phone to see what time it was, and I saw, you know, notifications come up, and I just saw, you know, first line I read and immediately kind of got a jolt. Mm-hmm. Um because you know, I, I hadn't met him over the World Cup, but I'd seen a, a lot of him at gigs and and talking, and he looked in good form, and he looked relatively healthy, you know, healthy as much as he was back on dialysis and has been for a while, uh, had been for a while, and then you know to to hear that you know out of the blue, um, yeah, it stunned kind of the, not just me but the rugby world. Yeah, this whole sense of him um, being the first truly global superstar. What what's your first memory of kind of uh, being aware of the power of somebody to do that kind of thing? I think like everyone else, I th- you know, I think that the the timing was perfect with you know the the transition from amateur into professional, and you know he broke the mold of um, of the conventional winger. Yeah, you've had you had you know Tony O'Reilly who was you know, considered a big winger, but this is a guy that's six foot four, six foot five, eighteen stone, and can run like you know the best of the wingers and and feet as well. Yeah, and whatever about the power, it was actually it looked as though everyone else was in slow mo when he was running, you know, particularly in that ninety five and how tiny Tony Underwood looked and and my cat. Yeah, like he was a proper freak, and he um, you know to score four tries in a game in a semi final is you know just typified how huge he was for the game and how much it brought it to on a, to a global level. And you even see you know the impact that he had on people like. You know Zidane posting an Instagram pic, um, you know commenting on 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 his, uh, his untimely death. Beckham, all these guys. So, you know, it transcended, you know, sport. Yeah. Rather, you know, and, and that's why he he's, he will always remain the, the greatest global superstar of rugby. I just think it would be impossible for someone to pass by that. Yeah, it kind of is, isn't it? Because like now rugby has reached the point where no one's going to explode like that into public consciousness. They'll be discovered as fifteen, sixteen year olds, and there'll be coverage of that. Yeah. It just he came out of the blue, and I think even you know listening to Zinzan Brook and him saying he, he couldn't understand how he was selected in that '95 tour came out of nowhere. Had only played a couple of games for the All Blacks, and then all of a sudden he started ripping it up and scoring yeah. tries for fun. And then he was like, "Oh, okay, we accept him." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Fitzpatrick said they had to pull like they were. He was on the plane to go to a sevens, and they were like, "No, you think we're just going to give you one more go at this?" And uh, it was like a you know. So the rugby world changes in that moment. Yeah, and even you know the dynamic of you know you always associate Jono for games with these with the big ear you know earphones, and he was he was kind of 
a pioneer of that and it was like he was able to break all the rules and they you know they some of those older generation of all blacks um you know came into the dressing room and and he was playing this, you know, loud music and get a blaster so it was like no this isn't how we do it and then he just started ripping you know teams apart on his own it was like maybe we'll have to let him do what he wants to do <laughs> the rules have been changed um we obviously will talk a bit more about that as well and we're going to be previewing the game against bath but um to preview the game against bath we probably need to talk about what happened Leinster last week uh, you were covering the game with BT mm-hmm. bit of a disaster yeah it was you know you got to in general you've got to win your um, your home matches in Europe but particularly in that group where you've got you know three time winners Toulon two time winners Wasp one time winner Bath it's incredible to think that there's nine trophies in that pool alone and in the other four pools is ten yeah. throughout. That's a you know a fairly amazing statistic. So that you see the caliber of quality of team and and what they've done in in Europe in the past. And so you absolutely need to win your home games and to lose the first one at home against one of the probably what you might perceive as the weakest team in that pool. Now all of a sudden are we considered to be the weakest team in the pool, or I should say Leinster? Yeah, am I allowed to say I think we? Am I allowed to say we on BT? I think we is fine here. Okay. Yeah, yeah, um, um, yeah. So. Now it's a serious uphill battle to go. You have to win in the rec, and then you've got back-to-back handy enough back-to-back games against Tilan in December. Yeah, uh, what happened? I think the first half. Just looking back on it, and it's funny. I don't really, I don't see the game the same way when I'm covering it on TV as you know when you're sitting on the couch and you see everything. And so I watched it again, and um, the first half was actually okay. They, you know, they put together a lot of phases, and the and the wasp defense was just incredible. They identified. Uh, exactly what they needed to do the numbers they committed to the rooks um, when they won the impacts they sent numbers in when they lost the impacts they just they they spread the defensive line and allowed them to get line speed and they just had our number on that and they kept the scoreboard ticking over with you know, a couple of infringements we made they um, they kicked their points they were 9-6 up and then they get you know the the fortuitous uh, try that they got Dave Carney's uh, error and, and all of a sudden you know you go in 16-6 down at half time and you're thinking how did that happen yeah um and yet there's so much experience in that Leinster dressing room you would expect that there will be some response that is fitting to the quality that they have yeah I agree I think I think a few guys a couple of the, the key players had some of the quietest games I've ever seen them play in a blue jersey um, and you know, those, they went and chased the game in the second half when obviously they, they conceded early enough that Joe Simpson try and then they had to chase it and they just made you know error after error and for me the most disappointing thing and it's it's an attitude thing is the 50-50s of winning the 50-50s so when you spill a ball mistakes happen but make sure you don't compound it with another mistake so get down on the ball kill it don't allow turnover ball and I just didn't think that that intent was there um, and that's an attitude thing and for me, that you know, that's that's only reflects on the players. It doesn't reflect on coaching staff in any shape or form. Players have to have that right attitude. It kind of sounds a lot like the conversation we had after the defeat to Argentina. Even listening to Johnny Murphy, who was watching the Leinster match for us, said Ireland were passive. Or Leinster were passive, which was the exact same word that was used time and time again mm. after the defeat to Argentina. Mm. That's two big games in a row for a lot of these players. That clearly one destroys your World Cup, and this one could well destroy their season yeah and, and I don't know listen I, I don't think you can take you have to take the two of them in isolation because they're two separate teams and there's lots of you know different individuals yes there's some of the same um, but you know rugby is very attitude based um, of uh, you know your intent of going out and wanting to win collisions and 
you know, wanting to really put yourself around the park. There's a huge amount to be said for teams to do that. That's why sometimes the less talented teams are able to win games yeah. because their work rate is greater and their hunger and appetite for it is that little bit greater. And so that would be the thing that Leinster fans are clinging to this week. That yeah, and like, there's no doubt, you know, losing Sean O'Brien is a big loss. He's he's always going to be for Ireland and Leinster for the next five years. When Sean O'Brien's not playing, he's going to be a major loss because he gives you gain line. Yeah. Uh, but on the flip side, you've got Luke Fitzgerald and and, and uh, Ben Teo back, and they you know they will add to that in the back line. Albeit you know we, we don't have like for like in the pack. We we have Teo coming in in particular, and obviously Lukey played well at twelve in in the World Cup, and he's uh, a bit of security at fullback, someone yeah. that positionally will know exactly what he's doing, and that leadership as well, and the comfort of knowing your last line of defence is a guy that's won three Heineken Cups with Leinster and is is still you know very much at the peak of his powers. So, yeah. Um, Here's a question from a, a listener. Did Brian find it hard getting back into club rugby after building two World Cups for so long? This is the the explanation that a lot of people have been reaching for is the hangover explanation. Yeah, it, it does exist, absolutely. Um, I, you, 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 know, you ended up, in some cases, depending on certain World Cups, you wanted to get immediately back into it. When it went disastrously in 07, I didn't want any break. I just needed to throw myself back into rugby. Then you had the disappointment in, in 2011 of not winning that quarterfinal you know, with opportunity to get to a, a point we'd never been before. So I took a little bit of a break, but I, I also knew I had to get surgery after that. Um, but th- there is at times a little bit of a hang up because you put all your energy and all your focus into this, you know, this tournament that, that uh, gives you potential you know, global fame and um, global no- notoriety. And then you underachieve, you know, uh, which is, you know, is is a major disappointment and then you have to go in you know back to your club and, and fit back into a particular remit and, and a new style of play and a new group of calls that you haven't you know hadn't listened to since last May so it is difficult there is obviously a bit of a hangover there's a, a bit of a, a a trail between the two um, and so you know on top of it all you know not playing well and big European game it's um you know, it's it's very disappointing knowing that Leinster season could potentially be over before it's even started. Yeah, bit of a that, that's a bit of a disaster from their perspective this weekend. Uh, if they do lose it, we will preview that game in a bit more detail later on as well. If anybody's any questions for us, though, five three one zero six is the text number you can tweet us here at Off the Ball. Where are we starting, Ken? Uh, with the rugby, because there's live rugby as well tonight. You're obviously with Ulster in action, but uh, the team sheets from Leinster and Connacht also released uh, in the wake of last weekend's games. Uh, an expedition for the Connacht players uh, to. Siberia and just two survivors uh, are in the team for tomorrow's game against uh, Breve at the sports ground that is uh, Rory Parada uh, on the wing and centre Bundy Aki Robbie Henshaw actually partners Aki in the Connacht midfield for this weekend Kieran Marmion returns at scrum half he'll partner Jack Carty Jason Harris Wright makes the first appearance of the season after uh, recovering from injury he starts at hooker and Nathan White will earn his 50th cap uh, for Connacht the tight head prop uh, as we've already been talking about uh, Leo Cullen has uh, reacted to last weekend's loss for Leinster against Wasps by making eight changes to his side ahead of that visit to the wreck to face Bath tomorrow the team has been boosted by the return of Issa Nathewa at full back uh, Luke Fitzgerald and Ben Teo will form uh, their centre pairing once again after they missed last weekend's game Isaac Boss is preferred to Owen Redden as Johnny Sexton's halfback partner in fact Redden drops out of the matchday squad entirely with Luke McGrath on the bench Rob Carney's also been overlooked this weekend although there were 
there uh, question marks over his fitness in the lead up to this weekend's game Sean O'Brien Rickard Strauss and Mike McCarthy are all ruled out through concussion of course Reese Ruddock is back as is Sean Cronin Keane Healy and new signing Hayden Triggs they all come into the Leinster pack Devin Toner was talking to Dave uh, McIntyre this week ahead of this game trying to rationalise first of all that defeat to Wasps a lot of it was 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 unforced errors and, and like we dropped the ball, um, but a lot of the time, well, some of the time we kind of lost our shape. Um, we were sending too too many to the, to the rook, and we didn't have enough to go around the corner. So I think it, there's not an awful lot to work on. But I, I, I think it, it, it. I'm not going to say it's easy, but I think they're very fixable. Obviously, the the human element of it is that you guys would have played with Leo. And spent an awful lot of time with him in dressing rooms and pubs and wherever clubs over the years and winding down, preparing for games. Is there a feeling with the squad, particularly the more senior players, that that he was let down last weekend? Yeah, I think so. Um, like I said, it just inside that we like. First of all, we let ourselves down um, as players, and we do feel that we that we let Leo down, and, and we we let the whole coaching team down because they did a huge amount of work going into going into the to the game and. There's not much that they can do about a bounce of the ball, um, really, and, and 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 a couple of unforced errors that that when we just dropped the ball. So they're doing their their very best to 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 give us a game plan, um, and and to give us our, all, the, all the drills that, that we need to to go into the game. So as, as a coaching team, they're doing fantastically well, and 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 you say to yourself, yeah, we, we do feel that we let, that we let them down. Clubbing with Colin, a five-part series where Leo Cullen <laughs> takes you around the dance floors of North Wicklow and South County Dublin. It's like when you saw Mal O'Kelly out at the dance floor, like a foot above everyone else. <laughs> Mal was in more clubs than Leo, that's for certain. Um, it's a fair point, I suppose, that Dave is uh, trying to make that like, they have a responsibility to this guy because he's their mate and as their teammate and has soldiered with them and has been really important to them. And then they went and stunk the joint out last week and mm. it reflects really badly on him, but actually he's not the one knocking the ball on at the base of the rook. Yeah, it does. Um, I, I would love to have seen how Leo reacted during the week because he's kind of like the parent that doesn't you know, give out to you, just tells you that they're disappointed, oh, no. which is so much worse. <laughs> um, and he doesn't get... He, yeah, he gets angry, but it's very controlled. It's not... He wouldn't lose the head. So I would love to have seen how he reacted because, you know, very early on in his, in his coaching careers as a head coach... Um, you know he's he's under the pump yeah. and you know has has found himself in a tricky situation where he needs to, his team to perform next game otherwise they'll be out of a competition there are times when you go to work and you're a bit brain dead for the day like there's a possibility that they all showed up and they were just a bit brain dead last week yeah maybe um everyone like no one had a standout game you couldn't you couldn't say anyone played well yeah and it's very rare that you have you know that many guys underachieving so like, even if you bring you know seven or eight performances up a couple of levels which you would anticipate for this weekend you're going to have a much better overall team performance uh, Kieran Ranla says Brian mentioned in commentary he spotted that Wasps were not committing to the Rook why didn't Leinster spot it? Uh, I'm sure I, you know they seemed to in the second half they did an awful lot, a lot more picking and jamming around the Rook but it just came a little bit too late they, you know you have to there's a big phrase of earning the right to go wide yeah. and I don't think we did that early early on you've got to commit numbers into rooks and when when they're not committing anyone it has to be soft in the belly so you just pick and jam and try and suck in more defenders and, and if they don't do that you just continue there and keep hammering away and you know eventually when they start com- com- uh, conceding kind of 5, 10, 15 metres all of a sudden they'll tighten up a little bit more and that's when your opportunity to go wide comes yeah 
Does Leo need to change his personality a bit then now that he's become a head coach if he's like that disapproving parent does he need to go in on a Monday morning and specifically point out what people have done wrong? I think he'll still do that don't you know don't get me wrong it's it's like I, that's a very um easy way for me to describe him Leo's phenomenally thorough and he'll call it as it is he won't sugarcoat anything for the lads uh, and he'll you know in his own manner he'll say that's not acceptable that's not good enough this is where you went wrong and he'll you know he'll have gone through individual performance as well as a, as a collective in, in the video session on Monday so the lads will be under no illusion as to how they got on at the weekend he, he will have called each moment that needs major improvement as he saw it and there'll be no place to hide on, on Monday OK, we will actually uh, ask you a bit about how this team is going to perform and what um, they might do differently this week from last week, a little bit later on in the show. And uh, we'll talk a bit about Ulster as well, see how Les Kiss is going to get on in um, the European Cup. Yeah, because they are involved in tonight's game, the only game, in fact, in the Champions Cup. The uh, opening match, of course, for Ulster was postponed, so they'll begin their Pool 1 campaign on home soil as they host a pretty strong Saracen side at uh, Kingspan tonight. The game kicks off at 7.45. Meanwhile, Rory McIlroy's four off the lead at the halfway stage of the DP World Tour Championship he carded a second successive round of 68 in Dubai today to sit on 8 under par England's Andy Sullivan leads the field by a shot from 12 under McElroy's closest rival in the race to Dubai standing so is Danny Willett and he is uh, two shots behind McElroy on 6 under par Shane Lowry uh, not such a great day for him although he did card two uh, late birdies to salvage uh, something after a round of 70 which leaves him on 1 over par heading into the weekend uh, Eddie Jones says he won't be seeking to change the RFU's policy of not selecting players who are contracted to clubs outside of England. In the wake of Stuart Lancaster's departure from the job and England's disastrous performances at the Rugby World Cup, there have been calls for the RFU to relax their rules in order to allow the likes of Stefan Armitage represent their country while playing club rugby in France. Jones though says that if a player wants to play for England, they have to play in England. The 55-year-old was appointed this morning on a four-year deal after the RFU negotiated a severance package with South African club Stormers. Uh, Jones says he's yet to make a decision on the makeup of the coaching team. He'll speak to Andy Farrell, Graham Rowntree and Mike Catt before finalising his staff. Steve Borthwick, though, is being tipped to reprise his job as forwards coach, which he performed for Jones uh, with Japan during the World Cup. Uh, the Australian also says he intends to speak with Chris Robshaw, but has yet to decide who his captain will be. He was pretty critical of Robshaw during the World Cup and his leadership and says uh, that's all water under the bridge. I was in the cage of England then. I was a col- columnist. I was writing a column, mate. I was b- probably being a bit naughty. <laughs> so, look, going forward, one of the first things I have to do, I'm going to sit down with Chris and have a chat to him. You know, I've watched a couple of his games since the World Cup. And like all the other players, they're all starting on zero. You know, there's always an opportunity to change things. And he's ex- in exactly the same position. At least, uh, you know... He has this on his record now where he's been honest about them in the past. Yeah. yeah it's, it's hard. You, you don't know what job's, job is coming around the corner. No, it's true. not exactly a ringing endorsement at the end either. He's starting on zero, yeah, no. just yeah. like everyone else. I remember Matt Giddo saying something about that. His first, his first cap was under Eddie Jones and he, he scored you for a point positively or point negatively and he finished. He only came on for like 15 or 20 minutes and he finished on like minus four. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I've got to be a cap, one cap wonder. <laughs> 102 oh, caps later incorrect match. yeah it's pretty harsh though uh, obviously it worked for Ghetto is this a good appointment do you think yeah I think so but I don't know an awful lot about Eddie Jones just the bits that you hear from from the Aussie guys yeah. I think he's incredibly thorough um, he, he clearly got Japan working 
um, extremely well as a team and I think there's no doubt that England have the quality of player and the talent pool it's just a matter of marrying all that together and yeah. making it play in a particular style that's effective and you know that the players want to play you'd be worried if he started making England play well like he's from that Randwick gene pool which I didn't realise until I was looking at it today I go alright they start playing the way that all those <coughs> other teams that coached yeah, by yeah. those guys play you have to think they will you have to think under him you know he's been pretty effective with all the teams he's been involved in yeah. that's why he's he's always been quite sought after you know being able obviously Australia going to going to Japan helping them you know to become the team they've now subsequently become yeah. big obviously a big performance in the World Cup from them uh, the Stormers wanted him and now England you know, there was, he was first choice and he so. was the brains of the operation in 07 when South Africa won the World Cup which was it was funny Jake yeah. White kept getting offered or touted for big jobs but never actually got them and mm. now the big job comes up and everybody's like we think you might have been the guy behind this mm. which uh, doesn't bode well for Ireland right having a very strong England with an intelligent head coach who's picking most of their best players and on the flip side you know maybe it is because it's, it's you know, England become one of the superpowers again we play them more regularly Um you know, the Six Nations becomes a real force to be reckoned with again. Yeah. It means our standards will improve. Um, yeah, we want England to be better. We don't want to be, you know, yes, the support. That's positive thinking. Beating. That's positive thinking, Jerry. <laughs> um, the support doesn't want to uh, want to beat England every yeah. every time. Yeah. But you do need England being good. Yeah, it's true. Um, because we all, we'll always up our game against England and it'll mean that we do become a better side as well yeah maybe we lulled ourselves into a bit of a false sense of security with the fact that England were actually rubbish for the last couple of years maybe <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> alright one more from you uh, yeah Sergio Aguero is going to be back for City's clash with Liverpool tomorrow six weeks out with a hamstring injury but he's back Silva and Vincent Company still out for Man City alright our live game on Sunday is West Ham and Spurs Spurs and West Ham Spurs and West Ham kicking off at four uh, Alright, up next we're going to talk John Lomu with one of his former teammates You can get your text into 53106 We want your opinions Off the ball with thanks to Ford Drive for the line with the new Ford Cougar Titanium Plus If you want to drive a real SUV It's time to drive a Cougar Ford, go further Alright, it's time for us to talk about John Lomu And we have Alama Iremia on the line Who's a former teammate um, Alama, obviously we kind of in this part of the world, <clears throat> pardon me, have been obviously quite touched by the uh, just the shocking nature of this very vital human being passing at such a young age. But for you, I guess, for somebody who's known him for so long, the, the shock, I, I imagine it just doesn't go away. Uh, yes, uh, good morning. Uh, from over here in New Zealand, uh, to all the News Talk uh, listeners over there, and um and uh, you've summed it up pretty well. Uh, you know, there's a, there's many of us over here that uh, have played with Jonah for a long time and, and known him as a close friend. And uh, we are all still in shock. And uh, I suppose the the biggest thing about this is, uh, even knowing that he's had the sickness, uh, just seeing him before the World Cup and during the World Cup, uh, he was fit and healthy. And you know, and and going through his promotions and and doing what he does best. Uh, uh, in terms of touching the world. Now, uh, to actually all of a sudden be taken away like that, uh, I guess that's why this is very, um, very uh, you know, it's, it's very shattering for, for many of us over here and I suppose for the rest of the world. Tell us about the, the first time or your first memories of, of coming into contact with uh, John Alomi, the rugby player, will you? Yeah, thank you. Uh, obviously, the, the, the test matches that, uh, that Jonah debuted for down here were against the French in 94. Uh, I then uh, debuted uh, the week after um, when we played the South Africans. So 
we sort of came across during uh, around that time, and uh, obviously, you know, he was a phenomenon back then, uh, being a, a schoolboy star uh, thrust into the Test uh, arena. And, uh, and my memories really were obviously around that time uh, having Pacific Islanders and the All Blacks, and uh, you're basically a brotherhood. And to have uh, Jaina in the team around then, uh, you know, it, it just made you feel, you know, feel, feel felt belonging uh, to be there. Um, and then obviously uh, the biggest memories, I suppose, at his prime and going through the processes of him being fit for the 95 World Cup. Uh, you know, those were enjoyable times. Uh, we used to joke about each other um, that we were called the Hyena Club because uh, in fitness, was, fitness trainings for the All Blacks would always be at the back. Uh, struggling to breathe and, and almost dying and making these high pitched voices, uh, you know, like struggling hyenas. So, uh, you know, he he was massive, and and and, and I suppose the the lasting memory for me is, uh, Jonah was was significantly different off the field as he was on. Obviously, it's been well documented, but he was a very genuine human being. And uh, uh, watching that English uh, test against, uh, obviously, the semi finals in '95. And then just seeing a phenomenon sort of born as uh, we try to get him off the field, get him onto the bus, and uh, we all just looked at each other, going, "Well, you know, this is uh, this is this is going to be different for 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 the future." And he was the real superstar, and uh, people can talk about it, but when you're amongst it and uh, having to talk with him, and then you know that he's just a basic uh, a basic rugby player out of very humble begin- beginnings, it was uh, it was pretty massive, and. Uh, that's, I suppose, the, the lasting memories I'll have because uh, those were his prime years in the early, uh, in the mid-90s. And then, obviously, 2000 was another great year for him. And then we obviously saw him going downhill from there. But he was the same he was the same, same person uh, ever since uh, his start. So, as a player, you almost felt like you were playing with Superman with uh, some of the stuff he was doing. Yeah, because you're a centre, so it must have been pretty good to, to know... If I just get the ball out just a little bit further here, if I can just get this offload off, then it's going to be a try. <laughs> yeah, well, um, you know, Brian, you, you guys in, would understand how how great it is to actually have that dimension in, the, in your back line when you know you've you've got somebody that will draw attention and uh, and obviously just feed the ball. And I, and I suppose the, the, the redefining of the game also is very important to note how the focus, you know, you went from, from wingers that could finish to wingers that could create. Now, you know, you had the Inga Tunga Malas before that, but, you know, Jonah was was a huge, was a huge player. And uh, and that just really redefined the way we played the game around that time. And uh, and, the, and the certain moves that we used, you know, you, you could give it to him and he would run around people, you know, with outside breaks. And then you could use them on uh, two, four cuts coming back, uh, changing angles. So, either way, uh, you know, it, it was it was it was an awesome sight to see. So, um, it was it was fantastic, and you know, you still buzz out about it. And I feel very blessed to to actually even play with him. Halama uh, Brian here. I, I just wonder, um, do you do you feel in New Zealand you get the sense that he was probably maybe more revered? In the rest of the world, than he maybe was in in New Zealand itself. Of you know, off the back of maybe not being a World Cup winner, um, I I don't know. It just there's been an awful lot of conversation and and in in this part of the world, and he was no doubt a global superstar. Was he as big a deal in New Zealand? Did he he remain as big a deal up until his untimely death? 
Yeah, it's a really uh, uh, g'day, Brian. It's good to good to hear. Mate. It's uh, it, it's a very interesting point, Brian, because um, it, it is very it is talked about in, in in the rugby circles over here, and and I understand that uh, that is correct. He, he was bigger overseas, and uh, over the years I, I try to figure out why, and and I suppose from from living over here, the the whole um, I don't know whether it's a tall poppy syndrome or whatever it is. Is, is you know, Jonah was Jonah, and and I suppose it, it's it's one of those because you're so blessed to have him around all the time. It's like uh, that's just the norm with uh, with things over here. But the, the the real impact is when you go overseas and you see the you know uh, big guys big guys uh, label uh, brand overseas was massive, and uh, and to a lot of us over here we we take that for granted, and I suppose people realise now with with uh, icon that's actually now gone. Um, you know, for for some people, they've they've missed out, they've missed out on actually just getting to know him, and uh, and and I think it's just the way society is, and and over here, and I'm not sure if you have similar cases there, Brian, with uh, with superstars like yourself. Actually, I'd rather I, I've actually talking to I'll talk, get it out of the horse's mouth, eh? So, what do you think, Brian? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I suppose not having spent you know spent any uh, time at length down in New Zealand. Um, you know, it's very hard to know from from that from that side of things. Just, I just know the impact that he had any time he came to these shores. That, um, you know, or any time you were in his company. I was in Paris with him um, five or six years ago, um, doing a signing session for for Adidas, and there were hundreds and hundreds of people, and all they wanted to see was Jonah. And it didn't matter. These, you know, these were kids that were, you know, five, six years of age, and they still, it was Jonah was was the person that they wanted to see. There was Jonah and some also rans, you know, there for the signing session, Dougie Howlett, I think myself, and <laughs> someone else. But um, it was it was incredible that, you know, he had this immediate um Impact on on everyone that he came that that came across him, and this um, he was so recognisable because yeah. of his size and stature, uh, and obviously the quiff helped as well. Um, but he, um, yeah, th- there's there's no doubt that the world over and and he transcended sport. Um, it wasn't just about rugby. Um, I think the whole world of sport is mourning his his loss. Yeah, yeah, and I suppose I, I suppose Brian. The, I sort of compare, I've had a couple of interviews already, I compare it to like a superhero status. You know, when kids actually see a, a human being that can actually do some damaging stuff to another human being on the sports field and then realise he's actually just a normal, humble, genuine uh, sort of person. You know, it, it has that feel to, to, to when Jonah first came on the scene and, and that's why his legacy will live on. Um, he was not a show pony. He didn't have a swagger about him. He was just uh, doing his job, and by God, he uh, he did his job to a different level. And I guess that's what people actually are trying to, under, uh, you know, that's why they're really warm to him. He was a freak, a uh, freak rugby player, came on the scene and just exploded, and a uh, very caring giant off it. Can I ask you a little bit about his character off it? Because it's, um, it's global superstardom immediately to the point where everybody in the world knows who he is and he's 20, 21 when that happens to him. Was he able to deal with that? Did it take a little while for him to calibrate into what life was like at that point or was it straight straightforward enough for him? Well, that's, uh, I believe, the, the reason why a lot of people have actually attached and, and are mourning his loss is because over here and uh, we've actually, if you, if you didn't know Jonah, you actually watched Jonah live and... Uh, and develop as a as a young man in the media. He was always in the limelight. 
he made his mistakes. Yes, he was never perfect. But he was a quick learner. He uh, became very articulate and very you know, intelligent in, in terms of his development in media. Uh, he became very genuine, and that came across in the right way as a youngster. Uh, you know, he's, you know, he was just learning, and uh, and for everyone to watch him develop over the years, and he was still a teenager. He made mistakes, and uh, and for him to mature over the years, that's why people are really endearing to him, is because, you know, throughout all his failures and and all his you know uh, development, you know, he was still a very genuine, humble uh, Islander who had a very tough upbringing, and uh, and one of successes of. Of, of life, I suppose, just uh, using rugby as a vehicle to to grow, and uh, and that's why people have really warmed to him is because he made it. At the end of the day, no matter what the superstars say, and the old, you know, he actually made it. He made it from the streets, made it to the top. He knew his uh, his beginnings, and he never actually wavered from them. And, uh, and most importantly, uh, all the way to his death, he uh, he gave back. He, uh, the game was good to him, and he actually gave back to the game. And that, to me, is, uh, is his lasting legacy. He was working, and he loved it. Uh, it wasn't uh, an obligation. He loved it all the way to the end. It's been a, a, a very difficult year for um, the All Blacks off the field because, obviously, Jerry Collins died in awful circumstances in June this year as well. And, and you know, it, it actually, when somebody reminded us of that the other night, it was kind of it was quite shocking to think here are two uh, two very vital human beings who um, have died in such a short period of time, and I, I can only assume that that um, that is being talked about in New Zealand, and, and at the same time, it's not overshadowed by the fact that you've just won the World Cup. Yeah, I suppose it uh, it puts a lot of things into perspective. I guess uh, in terms of the loss of of, of some really iconic uh, rugby players, we we also had Norm Berryman, who was uh, also and 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 a bit of a character off the field as well. So it has been a very sad a uh, sad year uh, for the rugby fraternity, and and also I suppose a very exciting and and celebrated uh, celebrated year with with us winning the World Cup, but. Uh, but the timing of Jonah's death, I suppose, going into Christmas and, and such important um, uh, important part of the year is is going to be quite sad for for a lot of people and, and not especially for his family. But uh, for us that actually knew him, um, just purely because he was Jonah and uh, he was humble all the way to the end, uh, very similar to Jerry taken away so suddenly, uh, it, it will be a very great loss and it will take a long time to get over and. Uh, and I'm not just talking about the rugby players. Um, we've got a we've got a session to actually celebrate his life tomorrow up up in Auckland, and uh, it it will be it will be felt for a long time. And uh, and uh, I, I just think it's important that we remember and celebrate, uh, you know, what he actually did. And yeah. I, I would say that it will last a long time uh, all over the world. Yeah, for sure. Alama Aramia, thanks so much for making the time to talk to us. Thank you very much. Uh, a pleasure to be on the show, and uh, all the best. Thank you very much, Brian. That's uh, Lama Aramia there, an all-black colleague of John Lomu's. Um, a really weird time for New Zealand rugby because obviously they're riding high and um, and then this happens. And then just a couple of days later, Richie McCaw announces his, re- his retirement as well. Um, it, you know, it's a lot of news for New Zealand rugby fans to process. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I suppose 
you know, in defence of Rich, you, you know, in in sticking with the with the press conference, it had been planned, you know, five six days out or a week in advance, and obviously they felt that you know they should follow through with it and honour Jonah and give him an opportunity to speak about Jonah as yeah. well. Um, but yeah, it is. It's a very strange time, you know. It's 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 bittersweet. Um, you know, obviously the elation of winning a World Cup, but then losing your greatest superstar um, within a fortnight of it um, has to be. You know, really kind of very mixed emotions yeah yeah for sure 53106 is the text number we're going to uh, take a quick break we're going to be back previewing our live game on the show tomorrow it's uh, Bath against Leinster from the wreck and it's a must win game for Leinster Off the ball with thanks to Ford drive for the line with the new Ford Cougar Titanium Plus if you want to drive a real SUV it's time to drive a Cougar Ford go further Ulster are playing Saracens at uh, Kingspan Raven Hill this evening I was going to say Breffney Park Um, Ulster under Les Kiss should be different and better yeah, they will be different. I, um, it's, listen, it's hard to know. Are they going to be better? Um, Kissy is a very good coach. He's he's a very very good defensive coach. He had a bit of attack stuff on, under Declan Kidney, and he was good, very very thorough. Yeah. So, like all things, if he gets a little bit of luck and he he gets you know, the guys he wants to pick on, on the park, you know, if he if he doesn't have a big injury list, if he gets some of his key players like you know he's losing Tommy for a long time, yeah. Jared Payne who's gone for a while, Henderson's just back in, so he he needs those guys to those key guys to stay fit for you know to have any chance. They've got the strong Sterling working in their favour though. That's <laughs> true, they do, and certainly. The talk of 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 what Charles Pietau is um, said to be earning next year, you know, I think about pulling with the boots back on myself and getting out of retirement. <laughs> um, why didn't they get Pietau? I don't never. Just, I, like, I think he um, was thinking he's going to make the World Cup. Yeah, and he said he didn't want to be out of favour on that. But then, you know, word on the street is that that didn't go down very well. That he did sign and ahead of time, and then he didn't get selected. So then he said, "Right, I'm out. I'm out of here. I'm going to Wasps." Yeah. So um, it'd be interesting knowing that you've signed, you know, that far in advance. Yeah. Going to a club, you know, London life, whether he fits in, then he has to up, you know, move if he has a family. Um, Real Madrid pulled something similar with Alfredo Di Stefano, where they're like, oh, we, we'll have him for a year, and then we'll give him to Barcelona, and then oh, he never made it to Barcelona mm, and won mm. five European Cups with Real Madrid. So if I was old, I'd be sitting a little bit, kind of like, hmm, mm, a little bit, kind of. uh Oh, how long before you see the full impact of Les Kiss at Leinster at Ulster? Uh, you have to give him a while. You have to give him a good chance. Um, it's hard. It's next season for all these coaches. It probably it? is. It really is. Realistically, you know, is he going to get it together? He might get lucky and 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 they might click. But the expectation would should wouldn't and shouldn't be there uh, this season. They should have a good Pro Twelve. I don't see them um, pushing for for European honours or you know to get out of that pool. I I don't know. Um, but he, you know, Kissy is a good coach, and um, his work rate, you know, will have a big knock-on effect on, on his on his team. Um, he was always, you know, one of the hardest workers within yeah. the Irish setup. That's always a good sign. It's scoreless between Ulster and Saracens in the first four minutes. I will keep, keep an eye on that one for you across the rest of the evening. What do Leinster need to do um, to win this game against Bath? They they need to become collision winners. They need to win more um, than they lose, um, both in attack and defence. And uh, I think it's just roll the sleeves up. They they all the multi phase stuff um, wasn't far off last week, but they weren't particularly clinical when it came to clearing out rooks. And you heard Devon Tone earlier on saying that they had to commit too many numbers to rooks. Yeah, you've got to win rooks now with two and maximum three players. 
So the first two guys have to do a job. And Joe Schmidt has this big thing about barrels, left and right barrel. And that has to have a knock-on effect down to the rest of the provinces of the first two guys of the rook pretty much winning it. And then if, if a little bit of tidying up needs is needed from the third guy, well, he does that job. And then it's on a platter for the scrum half to go and create fastball. Uh, Luke and Nice is a good question. What's Brian's view that Ringrose isn't trusted to play at 13 when Pollard, who just about beat him to World Young Player of the Year, was trusted to play in a World Cup semi-final? I think physically Pollard is um, is substantially bigger and, and able to probably match it a little bit more uh, in that regard. Having said that, I think Gary has been one of the one of the collision winners in the in the Pro Twelve so far. You know, coming off the wing, he's an identification as to yeah. being able to read the right the right pass and the right hit. Um, so for me, I think get him in, get him in. If, if the, I suppose it depends. I'm disappointed not to see him in the 23 this week, um, particularly the impact that he came on with last last time round. Tolan wrote a great column this week about how we don't really trust our young players early enough. Um, now there's some, you can pick examples and there's always individuals you can do that. But his, his general point was, we're not asking our players, we're not forcing them to be creative early enough. We're asking them to be kind of you know, fit very specific roles and don't ever step out of that role. Don't take any risks, whatever you do. And it kind of is the culture at the moment not to put young players in when what we really need is to put the young players in and blood them and trust the, the youth to keep coming through. That That's fine, provided we are going that route and from a media point of view, the people accept that. But it's a, it's a results-based business and Leo wants to come in and win first of all and then he'll gives them the opportunity to blood some players. But it's very hard to go in and trust all these young guys and then start losing games. People will be at his throat very quickly. Yeah. So you, you have to understand from a coach's perspective as well. Yeah, I think that if they explain that... And, and sorry, and that's not just... that. Like, that's not just because Leo's new in Anthony Foley as well or, or even Pat Lamb or, or Kissy up north. All of them... You know, are judged on their performance and how their team are doing. It's not, uh, you know, we've lost more than we've won. But fair play to him; he's got you know five guys, you know, five Pro Twelve games, or he's got hit, you know this young fella nineteen or twenty some European experience. Is there not a sense though with someone like Ringrose that he's been working with Cullen throughout the entire summer, throughout the opening matches in the Pro Twelve, that he knows exactly what Cullen wants from the players, whereas some of the guys coming back who've only been there for a couple of weeks, there's subtle changes from the last regime that you want the players who you know will do the job for you on the yeah, pitch? Yeah, I, listen, I think the bit that I have seen of uh, of Gary this year, I, I think he's deserving of being in a twenty in, a, in the 23, you know, on merit. Um, not Nothing to do with blooding or anything. I think he's been yeah. one of Leinster's best players. So I, 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 I said that last week. I was disappointed that they didn't opt for him um, at, uh, at 13. I thought it was a good opportunity. And then, you know, with... with you know everything to lose this weekend, and not a huge amount to gain. He's obviously playing safe with, um, you know, with with um, with Issa back and with Ben, who's been very good for Leinster. In fairness, sure. Um, so you know, he, Gary will get lots of opportunity this year, um, and this you know this is his it's, it's his initial year into this level of of performance. But you know, I think you know taking a chance on him, I think you will be rewarded on this guy. Yeah. And it has to be taken on a case-by-case totally. basis. I guess the the problem, and we definitely don't have time to get into it now, is that the whole of rugby culture in Ireland is built on it being a results business. That Actually, all the schools are desperate to win because it's the most important thing for that team and the provinces are desperate to win because it's the most important thing for those things. But actually, the best thing is to develop loads of players. 
and, yeah. and, and try and increase the number. And I like, do you know what I like? The fact that Gary has been playing on the wing. He's not a winger, he's a, he's a centre, but yet that's where there was an opportunity for him to play. We should be able to play in multiple positions. Um, I just, it, it, you have to understand from, the, I can see from, from Leo's perspective, and I haven't really talked to him about it, but I can see that this is a big moment in Leo's life where it's his, it's his first role as a head coach. He's been thrown in the deep end, gotten it way before you would have anticipated. Yeah. And so, you know, he's got one shot at this. You know, you, you look back to other, you know, other coaches in, in other games and who jumps out, jumps to mind is, is Steve Staunton, you know, where he, he vanished into an abyss thereafter coaching Ireland. So Leo is very protective as to how he moves his coaching career forward and he needs to do that by winning games. And yes, he'll blood players in the process, but they have to be um, pulled together, married together, rather than you know being a pioneer of you know, the guy that yeah. you know, blooded five players of the future internationals but then never got another job yeah that's fair enough Brian great stuff thanks very much Uh, enjoy the rest of your evening cheers looks like it's going to be a good one (laughs) Uh, still scorers in that game Saracens though have a man in the bin we've got five pairs of tickets to give away for Ireland against Australia Croke Park tomorrow just tell us who is the Ireland captain this year text international to 53106 and we'll be in touch with the winners talk about that game a good bit more on tomorrow's show Uh, coming up in the next hour racing and some best of Off the Ball, getting inside the game. Sponsored by Ireland's favourite car brand, Ford. Go further.